This is an All Ears English podcast, episode 883. Three things that the best writers do in English with Gina. Welcome to the All Ears English podcast, where you'll finally get real native English conversation and fluency for business and life. We believe in connection, not perfection, when it comes to learning English. Now, here are your hosts, Lindsay McMahon, the English adventurer, and Michelle Kaplan, the New York radio girl, coming to you from Boston and New York City, USA. Today, our guest Gina will show us three habits that the best writers have in common. Do you do all three of these things when you write? Find out how adding these habits could dramatically increase your success in written English. Our guest today graduated in 2006 with a degree in art and English writing. While she originally planned on writing and illustrating children's books, it soon became clear that teaching was her true passion. So now, for over a decade, Gina has been helping students from all over the world improve their English and their art skills. So let's meet Gina. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, Gina, welcome to All Ears English. How are you? I'm good, Lindsay. Thank you. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited to have you here. I know you're coming to us today from North Carolina. Is that right? That's correct. Harmony, North Carolina. Is it a small town or a big city? A very small town, population of about 600 people. Wow. Have you always lived in the South or where are you from? I'm originally from the suburbs of Chicago, which is why I have that standard Midwest accent. And now I've been down here in North Carolina for about seven years. Awesome. And I heard that you are into art. You're an artist. Is that right? I am. That's correct. What What kind of art do you do? Do you do paintings or sculptures? Drawing, actually. Predominantly graphite pencil, color pencil, and pen and ink. Awesome. Awesome. So are you, do you sell your drawings or is it just kind of a personal hobby or how does that work? I've done a little selling in the past, but today it's mostly just personal work. And I also have an art studio where I teach drawing classes. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. I personally have no drawing skills, so maybe I'll have to take a lesson sometime. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs) That would be fun. All right. And awesome. So you are on the show today, Gina, to help us with a topic that we don't talk about too much here at All Ears English. Here at All Ears English, we're very focused on speaking and listening. But you're going to talk to us today about the three things that the very best writers in English do. And for our listeners, it might not be the same as what they do in their native language as good writers. So we want to really pay attention to what works in English. Is that what we're going to talk about today, Gina? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. So why don't we just go ahead and jump into it? So what would be your first tip then for for our listeners on how to write well? Okay, first tip is answer your reader's questions. Mm. In other words, anticipate the questions or counter arguments your readers might have and then address them. 
Okay. So as we're thinking about today's episode, what is the, let's, let's take one step back. What is the context that we're thinking? Are we thinking about writing an academic paper here, writing an email, or really are these general tips for any kind of writer? These are going to be general tips. They could be perfect for an IELTS or TOEFL exam, a professional email, or an academic paper for your professor. Okay. So these are tips that work across the board. I love it. Okay. Awesome. So going back, so anticipate your reader's questions. So tell us more about that. Well, when you anticipate your reader's questions, you're essentially putting yourself into their shoes. So when they get done reading, they think, wow, I really learned a lot rather than, hmm, that was interesting, but I still don't know this, this, and this. Mm, I see. Okay. So are we, before we write, are we actually making like a mental list or an actual list of what we think our reader is going to want to know? Would you recommend that practice as kind of a brainstorming? Definitely brainstorming or outlining what's going to follow. Okay. I love that. I love that. So great. Okay. So the first, I mean, I think that's the key to really any kind of effective communication, even if it's spoken English, giving a presentation, we want to know what our readers are there for so that we don't waste their time, right? Exactly. Yes. Another way this could be stated is be as descriptive or specific as possible. Yes. So for instance, I often give my writing students an assignment called the descriptive room essay. And in this assignment, their objective is to choose a room, their family room, office, whatever, and then describe that room in such a way that when I read their essay, I feel like I'm looking at a photograph that I can see the room in my mind. I love that. I love that. And this is really what the very best writers do. When you think about good novels, good writing, that books that just grip you and bring you in and make you forget you're even reading, they really do this. They put you right in the room, right? So to speak. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Sometimes it's a little easier to start with in fiction or creative nonfiction writing, but it's essential for professional or academic writing as well. Yeah. I mean, this is even important for business emails, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Very cool. And, and at the end of the les- of the episode today, we're going to show our listeners how to find you on italki to book a lesson to find out maybe how that does apply to writing a business email. I think that'd be interesting to go into more detail on that. But for now, Gina, let's move on to your second tip. So your first tip was to anticipate what the reader is going to want to know and address that, right? But number yes. two, what would be your next tip on how to write well? Second tip is Less is more. Now, this is kind of ironic because I just got done saying we should be as descriptive (laughs) as possible. Right. However, on the flip side, good authors eliminate redundancy and they limit their use of filler words, those short, weak words that don't really say anything. Yeah. So what are those filler words? Can you give us some examples of words that we might want to eliminate from our writing? There's a ton of them. And sometimes they're words we would actually think are keywords. But mm-hmm. if they're not descriptive or specific enough to what we're talking about, then they're filler words. Ooh, I like it. So I think we've we've mentioned something like this when it comes to even spoken English before on this show. We've called it this idea of cutting the fat, right? Yes. Trimming the fat. It's like that idea when, I don't know, you have you just take out what doesn't do anything, right? Those mm-hmm. words that don't actually move the, the message forward. Is that right? Exactly. And that's actually what I do with my students. 
as we're going through an essay and editing it, I might say something like, okay, this sentence is pretty good, but you've used 20 words to express your thought. Try and say the same thing in only 15 words. And then after playing around with it for a bit, students usually find a shorter, stronger way of writing it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I think that as I was coming up in my education, like I, I learned that, that good writing is more concise. But mm-hmm. I think when I was first learning to write, my instinct was to write as much as possible. Why do you think we have that instinct that more is more? That's what we think when we're learning to write. Right. Well, I think sometimes, at least students in the past, I think they don't have confidence in what they've written. So they feel like they need to say it a second or third way to really drive the point home and be clear when really one, like you said, concise way is best. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it takes confidence to just say what's needed to be said, either in speaking and writing, both, Mm -hmm. right? To say what needs to be said and then to be quiet, right? Because that's it. You've said it, right? Yes. I love that. This is great. So be concise. Less is more, but also anticipate what the reader wants to know and add enough detail to pull them in. Yes, exactly. Okay. Awesome. So what is that third tip on what the best writers do? The third tip is choose your voice wisely. Oh yeah. What does this mean? This is interesting. Well, this is interesting. And actually a lot of older writing books or grammar books refer to voice as what I would call point of view. Point of view being, are you writing from first person, second person, or third person? Hmm. But I'm actually addressing the voice itself more than just formal or informal, but the personality that's coming through in the writing. Okay, awesome. Can you give us some concrete examples of different writing voices maybe that we know of or different publications that would be different from each other so we can kind of put our finger on this? Okay, so some publications, particularly blogs, for instance, are going to be written in a more personal conversation Mm -hmm. style. Some of the authors will use humor uh, in a lot of their writing versus a news outlet that's going to be more reportive and factual. Okay. I love it. So, so when you say choose your voice wisely, is this a kind of a, kind of a warning or is this just the idea of staying consistent from the beginning? Staying consistent is really the key. Your reader feels like a ping pong ball. If you jump from humorous to serious, from conversational Mm. to preachy, (laughs) And that can raise questions in their mind. And of course, we want to answer questions, not create questions. 
I love that. It's such a good point. I also think there's something about consistency of voice that helps the reader to, well, get pulled in and also to trust the writer. It's yes. kind of, right, they start to anticipate like, okay, what is the writer, how's the writer going to handle this situation? I'm imagining in a novel. And if you as the writer have an angry voice and a scared voice and has all these different voices that don't match up are not consistent with one personality, they might not trust you. They may not may feel like they're talking to a bunch of different people. That's very true. And this idea is especially helpful for the IELTS general exam, the mm -hmm. task one writing assignment where students are asked to write a letter. Mm -hmm. Voice very much plays a large part in that task. That's huge. So across a bunch of different times that we need to write, the, having this consistent voice, choosing it wisely is really important. But I feel like it is such a broad topic that there's so much that our listeners could learn about how to choose that voice and how to stay consistent across what we're writing. I mean, this is a big topic right here. We could have done yes. a whole episode <laughs> just on this topic, Gina. That's true. Very true. <laughs> That's awesome. So that's why we want to call our listeners to book a lesson with you. So Gina, well, first of all, before we go into that, do you have any just final like thoughts of wisdom, words of wisdom that you can share with our listeners before we wrap up on how to be a good writer? Anything you want to close with here? Well, one last thing I would say is don't be afraid to use adjectives. I think oftentimes students are nervous about this and it's really a great way to add description to your writing. Yeah. And I will point out too that there is a specific order when you're stringing together multiple adjectives. Mm -hmm. And there's some great exercises for this online. But using more adjectives in your writing will really beef it up. You had yeah. talked about that earlier. So yeah. that's perfect. I, I love that. This is so good. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg here, right? I mean, I feel like these are three awesome tips. And if you guys go deep with any and all of these tips or all of these tips, you could really dramatically improve your writing. I love it. So with that in mind, guys, I want to encourage you to go over and book a lesson with Gina if you want to work on your writing. Now, Gina, what kind of classes, what kinds of writing classes specifically do you have over on italki? I have a general writing class, which is okay. great for anyone who's interested in improving their writing skills, be it for professional or academic purposes. Mm -hmm. And I also have a test prep uh, class where we will work on the writing tasks specific to IELTS, TOEFL, etc. Okay, awesome. So if that sounds interesting to you guys, we want to recommend it to go work with Gina. You know, working with someone who specializes in writing is a smart choice. It's a good idea. So Gina, where can our listeners find you on italki? Okay, so you can, um, after typing in the URL that you just gave, you can add slash teacher mm -hmm. slash 3320461. And that will bring up my specific teacher profile. Okay, so we'll we'll give the full URL then. So we'll say italki.com forward slash teacher forward slash, what was the number again? Three three two zero four six one okay awesome so i definitely want to encourage you guys i mean we're in january now we are getting into the new year if you really you know if writing skills are something that are holding you back it's really time to get some help and to move forward if that's going to push forward your career or your education that's what you need so go on over and get that done awesome well gina i want to wish you good luck for the new year and uh thanks so much for coming on the show today it's been fun Thank you very much for having me. It has been fun. 
<laughs> okay, great. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to All Ears English. And if you believe in connection, not perfection, follow our show wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss anything. See you next time. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.